0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash OLLI.
1: Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, January 17th. A bill seeking to redevelop the DMV office in Hillcrest with housing is slowly making its way through the state legislature. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A new sign on the Ocean Beach Pier says a demolition application has been filed with the city of Santiago. The pier has been closed since October, and heavy surf late last month caused more damage to the nearly 60-year-old landmark. Still, nearby residents are surprised to see the posted notice. Jim Hickey says he understands why the city is doing it.
2: It's kind of bittersweet for me because I love and enjoy walking the pier, but I'm really happy they're redoing it and that it's going to be redone and everybody can enjoy it for years to come. The
1: city says there is no active plan to demolish the pier. The application is part of the process for an environmental impact study required by California law. The San Diego County Water Authority is warning residents to be on the lookout for people pretending to be water agency workers. Fake representatives are allegedly knocking on doors and requesting to enter homes to test water quality or make sales pitches, and in some cases are contacting customers over the phone. The Water Authority says its agencies are not responsible for water testing or repairs inside private homes. The agency also wants residents to know Legitimate water utility employees are always in uniform, carry an ID badge and usually drive a clearly marked vehicle. Concerns about potential fraud should be reported to a local water agency. This week's weather is expected to be calm and clear before we get more rain closer to the weekend and next week. The National Weather Service says temperatures this week will be near normal for this time of year. Temperatures in the inland areas are expected to be in the mid-60s. By the coast, it'll be in the low 60s, and the deserts' temps will be in the mid-70s, and in the mountains, in the low 50s. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, Healthcare and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: A bill making its way through the state legislature seeks to redevelop the DMV field office in Hillcrest with affordable housing.
3: Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says it's been a long time coming. The Hillcrest DMV is an aging two-story building surrounded by a crumbling surface parking lot. The entire property is about three acres, and all around it, new apartment buildings are breathing life into the neighborhood. Assemblymember Chris Ward authored AB 1635, which would order the DMV to build a new field office with affordable housing on top. He says the neighborhood has been asking for this for decades, but the agency is dragging its feet.
2: You know, I'm just kind of beyond the point of patience
3: right now, after 20 years waiting for the state to realize a project in the heart of a revitalizing community. AB 1635 passed its first committee last week. It has to pass the full assembly by the end of the month, followed by consideration in the Senate. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
1: Commuting from North County can be a time-consuming task. A new study by LLC.org shows both Escondido and Oceanside residents have some of the earliest commutes in the nation. Reporter Jacob Ayer says a new North County Transit District CEO has ambitious plans to make public transportation in the region an effective alternative to driving.
3: From low ridership to crumbling cliffs to staffing shortages, The North County Transit District is facing a slew of problems. Here's what some transit riders
2: told us. It's pretty nice overall, but there are a lot of crazy things that happen often. Like a lot of homeless people taking the transit for free and then they cause commotions around.
4: If I would have an option uh, between car and public transportation, and I would obviously go for car.
2: They'll work
3: if you have the time and patience to take them. That was Arnold Onima, Nikita Sharma, and Roger Quadra. We talked to all of them at the Cal State San Marcos Transit Station. These are issues that will be faced by the district's new chief executive officer, Sean Donaghy.
2: Have we expanded to the correct places? Do we have frequent service enough that we'll get somebody to the rail line um, in order to make some of those connections? Donaghy
3: has worked in transportation for more than 25 years. Most recently, he was the CEO of c in Vancouver, Washington. It was twice named the north american public transit system of the year during his time there
2: i think a lot of transit agencies suffer from um, the system that they have in place now is the same system that they've had in place for 25 or 30 years and you'll see this uh, sort of shift in population either from cities or growth in outer county he
3: plans to draw on his past efforts to accomplish some lofty goals for a system that includes two rail lines and 32 bus lines throughout North County.
2: Maybe more frequent service on the rail. On the bus side, uh, it's definitely things like bus rapid transit or some type of uh, uh, express type bus uh, and corridors that need it. We don't have the frequency that we need
4: in order to get people to use public transit at a higher level. But once we get that frequency, right, we can continue to grow our, our ridership.
3: Vista City Councilwoman Karina Contreras is a member of the transit district board and a weekly user of the system. She says increasing service is just one challenge.
4: I don't want folks in my community to suffer the consequences of a public transit system that they rely on that is not
5: reliable.
3: It's a concern shared in other parts of North County too. Carlsbad is blessed with a lot of hospitality businesses and a a lot of those folks need Reliable public transportation. Carlsbad's Chamber of Commerce president and CEO Brett Schonzenbach says if public transit options were improved, it could help benefit those commuters and benefit business districts. He says it can sometimes take almost two hours on the bus system to get between North County cities. One of the challenges that we face is that first mile, last mile question that a lot of people deal with. So we have great trains going up and down with the coaster, two different stops in Carlsbad specifically, but then getting those folks all the way out to the business park where the biggest employment centers are has been a challenge. Donaghy has one word for what he sees as the biggest challenge.
2: It's infrastructure. I think we have a very unique opportunity um, through the current uh, presidential administration that um, there's more money available now for rail and bus. He's got a few projects in mind for that money. I think North County specifically, um, there's a lot of opportunity between double tracking of the sprinter and the coaster lines. That means putting another set of tracks in areas where right now there's only one.
3: But there's another issue with the tracks, particularly in Del Mar.
2: Obviously the bluffs is an issue. Uh, where there's some erosion there. Donaghy
3: officially starts with North County Transit District on March 1st. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
1: Grant money is now available for some San Diego homeowners to better protect their homes from earthquakes. Reporter Melissa May explains who qualifies for the grant money and how you can apply. 30 years
2: ago, the 6.7 magnitude Northridge earthquake hit the San Fernando Valley and caused an estimated $20 billion in damage. California Earthquake Authority's Chief Mitigation Officer Janelle Maffei says a lot was learned from that earthquake.
4: We're going after really the most vulnerable type of seismic weakness in houses and um, we're utilizing the techniques that we've seen since then work. The retrofitted house really does work.
2: The California Residential Mitigation Program established Earthquake Brazen Bolt, or EBB, to provide grants to help California homeowners pay to retrofit known earthquake weaknesses in single-family houses. To qualify for the 2024 EBB, your home must be wood-framed, built before 1980 with a raised foundation. The EBB open registration runs through February 21st. To see if you qualify, go to EarthquakeBraceBolt.com. Melissa May, KPBS News.
1: Have you ever wondered about the likelihood of tornadoes passing through town? How about the history of fleas? And how big are time and space, really? Well, NPR's science desk correspondent, Nell Greenfield-Boyce, explores these questions and more in her debut book, Transient and Strange, Notes on the Science of Life. It's a personal essay collection that weaves original science reporting with her insights on childhood, family, and marriage. She joined my colleague, Jade Heidman, to talk more about the book. Here's that conversation.
5: I wanna start with the title, Transient and Strange, which is a phrase you borrowed from a Walt Whitman poem Can you talk about that and and why you used it for this book?
4: Sure. So the poem is about comets and meteors, actually. Walt Whitman was writing about this procession of uh, light in the sky that people saw in the 19th century. And, you know, he was sort of writing this poem about it. And he says, you know, you're you're transient and strange. And 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 I am equally transient and strange. And I'm also going to flit through the universe like you. And I'll fall and I'll be gone. And, you know, he wrote, what is this book? What am myself? But one of your meteors. And I had quoted this poem in, in one of the essays in the book, which is about, you know, getting older. And my editor at W.W. Norton, my publisher. Um, suggested Transient and Strange as the title for the book because he thought it touched on a lot of the themes that keep reappearing in these essays.
5: Yeah. I mean, and this is your first book and essay collection. What was it like to combine explanatory science and reporting with your own personal reflections?
4: Honestly, it was awfully fun. You know, I I don't do this kind of writing in my day job, uh, which is more straight science reporting, but I'm very interested in the history of science and science as a human enterprise and also the sort of metaphorical use of science. So, you know, when things happen in my life, I find myself, you know, looking back at what scientists have done and how scientists look at the world. And so, for example, um, the first essay in the book talks about me having to cope with my son developing a real fear of tornadoes. And and it made me get really interested in tornadoes and trying to understand, you know, how we know what we know about them and what don't we know. And, you know, how would a tornado expert deal with my kids' questions? So for me, a lot of the things that, that are in this book are sort of, you know, personal narratives, but also have a lot to do with the history of science.
5: Yeah. Was there anything about the writing process that felt experimental?
4: You know, an essay form is um, really sort of undefined you can make an essay as long or as short as you want and you can throw in all different things you know um, personal events historical events quotes poems so yeah a lot of times i didn't really know going into the start what i was going to end up with like there's one essay in here on fleas um, that was sort of sparked by something Herman Melville wrote in Moby Dick. And before I started writing that, I wouldn't have told you I had much personal experience with fleas or any sort of emotional thinking about them. But it turns out I, I did.
5: <laughs> Who would know, you know? <laughs> in the book, you mentioned caring for a spider that built a web in your kitchen and writing about it for a blog. I'm curious, how did that moment inspire you to want to write more about your personal experiences?
4: So that was a essay I wrote because a friend of mine who has a blog called The Last Word on Nothing, uh, it's from a Victor Hugo quote, which is science says the first word on everything and the last word on nothing. She um, and her friends run this blog where science journalists write creatively and she urged me to write something for it. And just at that time, I'd been getting really interested in this spider. And so I wrote this essay, which sort of was more revealing than I thought it would be about what I thought about in the kitchen in the morning, watching this spider. And I realized I actually kind of enjoyed this. I enjoy exploring my thoughts and combining them with science. And, you know, it was something different. It was a it was sort of a refreshing change of pace. And and I kept writing essays on other stuff, too. And before you knew it, I had enough that someone's like, you should really put these together in a book. So that's what I did.
5: Oh, my gosh. And you've reported on science and technology for decades. Um, but throughout the book, you're often viewing science through your children's eyes. And and you mentioned their fear of tornadoes, for example, when you hear them reflect on the world around them, does that affect how you approach your reporting now?
4: you know, I think a lot about different audiences uh, for our pieces. You know, sometimes I think about people listening to NPR in the car and the kids are, you know, strapped down in the back seat, And I'm like, oh, let's do a story on sharks, you know, give them something to listen to. Um, but I do think that some of the questions kids have about the universe and their own place in it are quite fearless and quite persistent. And they haven't quite learned yet how to, how to sort of pretend <laughs> like adults have um, and to sort of carry on. And so uh, I, yeah, I, I find my children to be inspirational. I think that, like a lot of children, they are without preconceptions and without um, fear of inquiry. And uh, I I think that's useful for everyone to to think about, or at least for me.
5: Hmm. What do you hope people take away from your book? Well, I hope that they learn
4: some stuff about the history of science. You know, there's a lot of different explorations in there about how we know what we know about black holes or tornadoes or, you know, meteorites or genetics. But at the same time, I hope people, if they read this, they feel a sort of, oh, I don't know, a kind of, you know, fellowship, a sort of feeling like, you know, we're all in this together, trying to understand the universe and ourselves, whether we're scientists or kids or, or just people reading a book.
1: That was NPR Science Desk correspondent and author of Transient and Strange, Notes on the Science of Life, Nell Greenfield-Boyce, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heidman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Wednesday.